Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, June 30th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Wall Street banks have already netted record fees for pandemic fundraising this year. Boris Johnson is set to channel his inner FDR when it comes to infrastructure, and Gilead has put a fresh price tag on its coronavirus treatment, Remdesivir. Plus, China could approve its national security law in Hong Kong as early as today. DFT's Primrose Reardon explains why analysts are concerned about how the law could stifle financial research in the territory. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The coronavirus pandemic has forced struggling companies to conduct some emergency fundraising this year. Ford, Boeing, and cruise line operator Carnival are just a few of the big names that ran to the capital markets as business started to dry up. And investment banks are walking away with a hefty win because of it. Investment banking fees skyrocketed to a record $57 billion in the first six months of 2020 boosted by a series of lucrative debt sales as companies grabbed cash to tie them through the coronavirus crisis. And according to Refinitiv, that puts total investment banking fees up 9% from the first half of last year. This has been helped by the Federal Reserve shoring up credit markets as the virus has spread across the U.S. The biggest investment banks reaped the biggest benefits. J.P. Morgan Chase, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, Citigroup, and Morgan Stanley round out the top five. In total, they generated more than $18 billion in fees. And this boom in debt fees, it more than offsets the decline banks experience when it comes to advising mergers and acquisitions. Boris Johnson is planning to announce an infrastructure initiative to invigorate the UK economy. It's a plan that the prime minister is calling a new deal, conjuring up images of former American president Franklin Delano Roosevelt's plan during the Great Depression. In a speech today, Mr. Johnson will call for £5 billion worth of projects that include hospital maintenance works and a school building program. Mr. Johnson is mapping out an agenda for recovery and regional revival, but his announcement only represents part of the money set aside for capital projects in this year's budget. And government officials say that this does not mean there will be a new stimulus for the economy. Meanwhile, in other UK news, Brexit talks grew tense yesterday over London's EU market access after its departure from the bloc. European Commission Executive Vice President Baldus Dombrovskis said the UK hadn't answered all the questionnaires Brussels sent out over the past few months. The questionnaires are meant to get information on British regulation of the financial services industry after the Brexit transition period. British officials called Mr. Dombrovskis' claim complete rubbish, their words, and they said it was the EU's fault that talks between the two sides on financial services had stalled. And it's going to cost a little more than $2,300 for governments to get their hands on a five-day course of the coronavirus treatment, remdesivir. Yesterday, Gilead Sciences said government health care programs in developed countries would be charged about $400 per vial of remdesivir. Private insurers in the U.S. would be charged $520 per vial, which would bring the cost for a typical patient with commercial insurance to a little more than $3,000. Remdesivir is the only branded drug to receive emergency use approval from U.S. regulators for treating COVID-19. 
the news came on a day when many states across America were overhauling their reopening plans. Even states that had seemed to have the virus under control started to pause reopening phases. New Jersey is indefinitely postponing plans to allow indoor dining at restaurants. The state's governor pointed out there's evidence that new coronavirus cases in the U.S. South and West were partially caused by indoor dining. Neighboring New York is weighing a similar pause. New York City had planned to reopen indoor dining next Monday. China's national security law in Hong Kong could come into force as early as today. It happens to be one day ahead of the 23rd anniversary of the former British colony's return to Chinese sovereignty. And the national security law is doing damage to Hong Kong's reputation as a global financial hub. For years, Hong Kong had been the preferred location in Asia for banks and brokers to provide their clients with research on China's economy and its markets. But China's new national security law for the city-state has raised fears for investors, economists, and analysts. Their main concern? That the legal firewall that separates Hong Kong from mainland China could, in effect, disappear. Primrose Reardon, our Hong Kong business and finance correspondent, has more. The whole point of Hong Kong for a lot of these banks has been being able to operate in a place which has a common law jurisdiction while also having some of that freedom and vibrancy to that a financial centre needs. And that includes being able to be critical of companies in a free market or economies or various other things. And that is sort of the issue at play here. The, the question is, is that you need some sort of transparency for people to put weight into the, these sort of products that they produce, which is research reports or assessments on the economy. And yes, sure, people will still could still produce these sort of reports, which is what our reporting has shown, is that it's not as if banks are going to stop reporting on these things or putting out these research, but it's about how much weight people put in them. And there are fears among both the researchers and the people who consume the research that with this law in place, there could be an increase in the amount of self-censorship that goes on with people fearing being critical of Chinese companies or the Chinese economy or those sorts of things. Now, if analysts feel constrained by the information they're able to offer or the information they're able to access, promotes, will this type of work move out of Hong Kong? And if it, if it does, you know, where, where does it go? There is obviously a question if you come to alternative venues. And this goes back to the greater debate that's been going on about Hong Kong as a financial centre more broadly. I mean, we've had a lot of discussion about people leaving Hong Kong because of the protests and the, you know, pro-democracy movement last year. And then we've gone through the virus and then obviously now this law. But the question is, is there an alternative? And yes, there's been a lot of discussion about Singapore, obviously Tokyo and, and um, Japan are trying to get part of the action, Korea, etc. You know, all of these places are trying to market themselves either overtly or more discreetly as alternative financial centres. But Hong Kong just has that position and access to mainland China that is very hard to replicate. So that is also something that some of the um, analysts we talk to as well, and they're saying, well, what is the alternative? Primrose, if investors don't think they're getting an accurate picture of what's going on in Hong Kong because of the national security law, 
Will it be able to maintain its position in, in global finance? On the one hand, there is a lot of discussion that it will impact how foreign companies use Hong Kong or how they approach Hong Kong. But in terms of a place where the use of Hong Kong as a place for Chinese companies to raise capital or to um, engage with the outside world, it seems that the thinking is that that will remain, especially especially considering at the moment Hong Kong is currently benefiting from a wave of secondary listings, which is a sort of side effect of the trade war where a lot of Chinese companies who are feeling threatened by legislation in the US are suddenly moving back to um, raise finance in Hong Kong after listing in the US. So it seems that there is a sense that Hong Kong will maintain its status at least for the short to medium term as a place where Chinese companies still use it. Yesterday, the U.S. announced it would ban the export of American weapons and sensitive technology to Hong Kong, to revoking the territory's special trade status in response to the national security law. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said the Trump administration could, quote, no longer distinguish between the export of controlled items to Hong Kong or to mainland China. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.